Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and this is the Sunday Roundup. During an extraordinary interview with Laura Koonsberg, the Russian ambassador to the UK, Andrei Kellin, repeatedly deflected questions about Russian war crimes, instead suggesting Ukraine posed a threat to Russia. He said Russia had the powers to massively escalate the conflict and claimed it was a big idealistic mistake to think that Ukraine may prevail. What is the end game for Russia here? Do you want peace? Uh, we want peace, but uh, on certain conditions, of course. For us, uh, two things are important. That there, is, there will be no threat from Ukraine to Russia. Uh, this is one thing. and which There was no was threat to important. Russia from Ukraine at the beginning of all of this. Uh, you would like to return to our beginning of the conversation? No, I'm just no? reminding okay. our viewers. Then just let me continue. And second, that Russians in Ukraine will be treated like all other nations in the world, like uh, France, French people are being treated in Belgium. So what has happened in Ukraine during all these years, it was extreme nationalism, extreme, absolutely, in its ugliest form, because Ukraine, Russian language has been prohibited, education in Russian language has been prohibited, it is Russians have been squeezed out of social life in Again, this way. Again, you were repeating those claims for which there is no evidence. For how long would you be willing to fight on? That depends, that depends because Ukraine, uh, well, but <laughs> if uh, it's, it's a big uh, idealistic mistake to think that Ukraine may prevail, which, which Russia is 16 times bigger than Ukraine. We have enormous resources and we, we can, we, we, we haven't just started yet to, to uh, act very, uh, very seriously. And you Ukraine haven't yet is started to act moment. seriously? So this could no, get a I lot don't worse? Think so. I don't think so. That, uh, it is, uh, we, we, uh, we are just uh, defending uh, the, we are just defending now the uh, lands which are under control and we are assisting uh, Russian people over there. We are rebuilding uh, Donbass. You say though there, it hasn't even got serious yet. Could this go on then for I hope that five it will years, not go ten years? That depends on uh, the efforts in escalation of uh, war that is being undertaken by NATO countries, especially by the UK. Sooner or later, of course, this escalation may uh, got a, a new dimension, which we do not need and we do not want. What do you we mean can, by that? We can do make peace tomorrow. We can make peace tomorrow if uh, Ukrainian side will be prepared to negotiate. But for the moment, there is no preconditions for that, I'm afraid. Koonsberg questioned whether the government's manifesto pledge to build 40 new hospitals was as extensive as claimed to be. Health Secretary Steve Barclay said the government was sticking with the proposals, but Koonsberg pointed out that many of the projects are just refurbishments or repairs. They repeated the claim that the government is building 40 new hospitals. Now, before we do anything else, I just want you to be completely straight with viewers. There are not 40 brand new hospitals being built because that description includes new wings for some hospitals, refurbishments for others. It does include some new hospitals, but let's be completely honest, Steve Barclay. I'm sure you're a politician who likes to people to think they can believe everything you say. You are not building 40 brand new hospitals, are you? Well, it's in line with the announcement that was made in 2020. That's what the manifesto said was 40 new hospitals. That is what we committed to uh, in the House on Thursday, over £20 billion on the investment to do so. And you're right, places like Kings Lynn, mm -hmm. which are propped up, I've been to visit it, I've seen firsthand the challenges there. And it's a hugely positive message for NHS staff, for patients and for the wider population in areas like Kings Lynn, Bury St. Edmund, 
Edmonds, uh, Huntingdon, uh, and the seven areas where Hang the on. VAC hospitals Hang are being prioritised. Before we move on, I really want you to be straight about this. Because for a normal person, building a new wing or maybe refurbishing part of a hospital, that is not a brand new hospital. If you save up and you get a new conservatory on the back of your house, you don't have a new house. So can you be honest with people? You're not building 40 brand new hospitals. Well, some of the schemes include, for example, a hospital being gutted and fully refurbished. If I look at Charing Cross, for example, mm -hmm. that's exactly what we'll be doing. And we'll be starting work to decant uh, some of the facilities and then refurbish. So there's a range of things within right, the scheme. So that was a, a range debate, of things. That was it's a debate not that was 40 had, new hospitals. That was a debate that was had in 2020. Yes, but it's we're sticking but it, with but, those schemes, but, it, but we're accelerating exactly as you just pointed to. We're accelerating those schemes, mm -hmm. which include five brand new hospitals. NHS pay disputes rumble on, with junior doctor strikes planned for June. Steve Barclay told Coonsberg that the junior doctors' refusal to budge from their demands of a 35% pay increase was not fair, although he conceded that there needed to be movement on all sides. Junior Doctors' Committee co-chair Vivek Trivedi pointed out that the 5% pay increase currently on offer would still amount to a real-terms pay cut and that long-term erosion to pay was driving doctors away. They repeated the claim that the government is building 40 new hospitals. Now, before we do anything else, I just want you to be completely straight with viewers. There are not 40 brand new hospitals being built because that description includes new wings for some hospitals, refurbishments for others. It does include some new hospitals, but let's be completely honest, Steve Barclay. I'm sure you're a politician who likes to people to think they can believe everything you say. You are not building 40 brand new hospitals, are you? Well, it's in line with the announcement that was made in 2020. That's what the manifesto said was 40 new hospitals. That is what we committed to uh, in the House on Thursday, over £20 billion on the investment to do so. And you're right, places like Kings Lynn, mm -hmm. which are propped up, I've been to visit it, I've seen firsthand the challenges there. And it's a hugely positive message for NHS staff, for patients and for the wider population in areas like Kings Lynn, Bury St Edmunds, uh, Huntingdon, uh, and the seven areas where Hang the on. VAC hospitals Hang are being prioritised. Before we move on, I really want you to be straight about this. Because for a normal person, building a new wing or maybe refurbishing part of a hospital, that is not a brand new hospital. If you save up and you get a new conservatory on the back of your house, you don't have a new house. So can you be honest with people? You're not building 40 brand new hospitals. Well, some of the schemes include, for example, a hospital being gutted and fully refurbished. If I look at Charing Cross, for example, mm -hmm. that's exactly what we'll be doing. And we'll be starting work to decant uh, some of the facilities and then refurbish. So there's a range of things within right, the scheme. So that was a, a range debate, of things. That was it's a debate not that was 40 had, new hospitals. That was a debate that was had in 2020. Yes, but it's we're sticking but it, with but, those schemes, but, it, but we're accelerating exactly as you just pointed to. We're accelerating those schemes, mm -hmm. which include five brand new hospitals. The Shadow Work and Pension Secretary Jonathan Ashworth spoke to Trevor Phillips about Labour's plans to promote the training of British workers and get more people back to work. He said it wasn't fair that companies could undercut wages by hiring international employees and that Labour would force firms to invest in retraining opportunities. You have advanced a policy, I understand, this week of restricting employers' right to bring workers from abroad, uh, putting in new hurdles there and regulating pay in order to force them uh, to train British workers. Is this a return to Gordon Brown's mantra of British jobs for British workers? 
Now, what this is, is about saying to firms, we, you should be investing in the workforce that you've got or the potential future workers by investing in their skills and retraining opportunities, rather than pulling the lever of going straight to international recruitment and undercutting the wages by cutting those wages by 20%. We don't think that is fair. As I say, when you have How are you going to force them to do that? Well, well, we would actually. This is about the. Uh, this, these are the rules associated with who are on the uh, uh, the, the shortage uh, occupations list. So we would enforce that. These are. This is about government statutory regulatory rules. So we would enforce that. But the second thing is that we would do, which a Labour government would do, is we're going to reform the way our job centres work. We're actually going to give more power and responsibilities to local areas so they can redesign the types of training that is on offer. Because at the moment, all you get, if you go to a job centre, all you get is essentially CV writing training. Well, when you've got AI coming along, which is going to write the CVs for you, you really need a new way in which you can train and retrain people and upskill people for the future. So that's one of the things we're going to do. And here's a very significant welfare reform that I am proposing. If you're off work for reasons of sickness at the moment, and you've been through something called the work capability assessment, that acts as a disincentive for you trying to return to work. So I will give people an into-work guarantee by reforming those assessments. So reforms to the, to the apprenticeship levy, uh, reforms to the way job centres train people, reforms to the benefit system, reforms to the immigration system. That's a substantial package of reform to get more people back to work right. and more people into the jobs of the future. And finally, a recent leak of WhatsApp messages between Conservative MPs showed more evidence of the divisions in the party, with Simon Hoare writing, The nonsense, self-destroying crap has to end or the party dies. Andrea Jenkins accused Hoare and others of sanctimony and hypocrisy, but told Trevor Phillips she was just being outspoken and, of course, supported a Conservative government. Phillips asked her if all this infighting was really a good message to be sending to the electorate. Well, as you say, you've been pretty blunt. I mean, you've been pretty blunt on WhatsApp. And um, I think uh, we've seen some of your messages this week. Um, you talked about hypocrisy and sanctimony. Um, yeah. Do you want to tell us, name some names, who you're talking about? Um, well, I mean, the, the person at the top, Simon Hall, um, during um, Theresa May's time, you know, he was quite vitriolic on social media, had to block him in the end. So the, the say about blue on blue and, um, you know, let's keep this in house, etc. But it, those who throw the first stone, you know, that they, they, um, they, they need to make sure that they're not devoid of doing the same thing. <laughs> OK, so, so you've got Simon Hall. Who, 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 who else is in the enemy crew? <laughs> I mean, not enemies. I mean, I have to set the record straight with this. Uh, you know, we, we'd all much rather see the uh, a conservative government than a socialist government um, with all their woke arati agenda. So, um, I mean, I also blocked uh, the chief whip during that time, um, who's now the chief whip. So, you know, these, <laughs> to, to me, <laughs> you cannot... <laughs> Sorry, go with, on, Trevor. With, 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 with the greatest of, of respect, I mean, you know, I am, I'm, I'm a novice in politics, but uh, I have to say, if you want to see a Conservative government, um, yeah. these WhatsApp messages, bring back Boris and all of that, uh, Rishi, always a bit weak, uh, all of the things that you've been saying, they, they don't seem like the best message to send to the electorate if what you want to do is to get the Conservatives re-elected. I, I mean, um, look, I... 
I, Boris and Liz was a prime ministers and, you know, the party leaders who I supported. I didn't support Rishi. And, um, you know, that's life. Under Theresa May's time, we, um, I mean, when Boris got elected, we saw members of the party who wasn't happy with that. But, oh. I mean, ultimately, we do want to see a Conservative um, elected. And, and if anything, Trevor, what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to be outspoken, which I can't be anything else. I'm a Yorkshire woman and I've been brought up to be honest and blunt. Um, I, and I, if, if anything, I'm trying to, you know, actually challenge I, I, some of the policies that's coming out at the moment to, because I know what policies are working in my area and actually to, live, to deliver on our manifesto commitments. That's all for this week. I'm Isabel Hardman and this podcast was produced by Joe Bedell Brill. Don't forget to subscribe to the Coffee House Shots podcast on the iTunes store. And if you enjoyed this podcast, do subscribe to our daily evening blend email. It's a free roundup of all the political news each day, along with analysis and a diary on what to expect next. Just go to spectator.co.uk forward slash blend. Thanks for listening and do join us again next week.